You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome to From the Cheap Seats, everybody. I'm Chris DeLambert. Professor Trent Nichols and Diamond Dave Kaplan are here with me today. Brandon Atkins is questionable. Ooh. Questionable. questionable. We, we, we're not 100% certain what his status is. He's out, mild injury, HIPAA regulations require that we not disclose the injury. <laughs> yeah. It's but I'd really body like to do. Or? I'd really like to go Bill Belichick on this one. Mm. Trent, if you would please ask me about the status of Brandon Atkins for today. So, uh, Chris, Brandon <laughs> Atkins. I see him on the uh, injury report. Do you have an update on his status? No update. We'll see. <laughs> there you go. No update. So does that mean he could he could participate in the second half? We'll see. See Do how you, that works? That's, yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty nice. Good. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes, it's very yes. Very enlightening. So, yeah, well, you know, we, we try hard. <laughs> so, big weekend of football, obviously. And I think that I learned – that I already knew <laughs> what was going to happen. I really didn't feel in my heart of hearts that there was any way Jacksonville was going to get past New England. And as that game unfolded, there were some pivotal, pivotal plays there. Mm-hmm. The first of which being Jacksonville with a chance to extend their first half lead, a delay a game called right before the half, which ultimately forced the punt and New England walks it down, scores again, kind of goes into halftime with the momentum. And then at the tail end of that game, with about eight minutes left, Jacksonville had three drives. Three drives where if they'd done anything essentially with the football, could have put that game to bed. And Blake Bortles was not up to the task. Yeah, And I think that – I can't even imagine the pressure that was on his shoulders because no matter how good you are at ignoring the talking heads and the fans and everybody else, Blake Bortles hears it. He knows he's a national punchline. And I don't know if you've seen – I'm going off the rails here. Have you seen the show The Good Place? Yes. It's a comedy with Kristen Mm -hmm. Bell. Mm -hmm. Have you watched it often or is it just something you're I've watched – I think – my wife likes it. So I think I've watched about all of them, I guess. There is even a Ted Blake Danson. Bortles punchline in that yes, show. Yes, I've seen it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the kid from Jacksonville? It, Jason it? Mendoza. Jason Mendoza. He's a DJ yeah. from, from uh, Jacksonville. And he, over the course of a couple episodes, asks this demon right. a couple of times, <laughs> can you just tell me, Jackson won't win the Super Bowl? And they and, laugh at it. Yeah. And they just dismiss it. And they're like, no, Blake Bortles doesn't win a Super Bowl. Wow. So you can't escape this if you're Blake Bortles. And I think as I watched, 
there was part of me that was trying to make it more interesting than it was. And I'm like, man, you know, this Jacksonville team has really got it together. They've got all these years consecutively of hitting in the draft, but they've still got Blake Bortles at quarterback, who for a lot of people's money is the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. And I kept thinking, this guy, if he delivers – a conference championship. Oh, been they're stuck with him forever. He was. Right. I mean, he was that, unbelievable the first half. He Every, was very good was in the first half. Every boy's dream. I mean, this is like Tony Romo said. This is your dream as a child growing up. Two minutes to play, game right. on the line. You can go to the Super Bowl, and wasn't able to make a single play. Nope. Now there was on social media. There was the pass down the left sideline to Fournette. And I talked to a lot of people as that was happening via text. Looked an awful lot like Fournette just kind of gave up on the play. Mm -hmm. But bottom line is Bortles had ample opportunity to beat New England and reestablish himself. This would have been a, a, a redefining moment for him, and he wasn't able to get it done. Chris Sims all week. Chris Sims came out and saw, did you see this? Speaking of bad quarterbacks, no, I didn't. He ranks Blake Bortles as number 70. I have heard Chris Sims. I don't know what girlfriend of Chris Sims Blake Bortles stole. Sims has been on that train for a long time, and he does this ranking, and I have heard him, not necessarily number 70, but he lists Blake Bortles at some ridiculous Yeah, the Levitar show called him out. And said, nice. number 70, explain yourself. Yeah. Well, Chris Sims is trying desperately to stay viable. Um, I don't know. But my point is, with Bortles, it all comes down to that. That Jacksonville team played out of their mind. Miles Jack put himself in the national consciousness this weekend. Um, for the first half of the game, that Jacksonville running running attack just gashed the Patriots. And I think in the fourth quarter, it was a combination of suspect play calling and Bortles just being unable. And even at the very end, we saw the pass knocked away by Stephon Gilmore. You got to put some air under the ball. Yeah. I mean, you throw it on a rope like that, you know, it's just physics. You've got a chance to get your hand in the way. You put, you put some air under that. Give your guy a chance to run underneath it, and it's an entirely different animal. He floats a lot of balls. Now, I thought during the Buffalo game that it was the wind or whatever, but even yesterday, it's like put something into that. Well, you know, it is what it is. And for me, I think you talked about the uh, delay of game. It's inexcusable. But the last 14 plays of the first half, five of them were penalties on Jacksonville. Yeah, and you've got to do better that in big moments. And it would have been great had that delay a game call been a little bit closer just so that we would have had the controversy surrounding <laughs> it, but it wasn't. It was clearly delay. Um, but you yeah. take that one game and it, or that one play, I'm not sure that Jacksonville doesn't win that thing going away. Yeah. I mean, their game plan was perfect. I think the first thing they wanted to do was – hurt Gronkowski so he couldn't play yet. I was going to say, you take what was working for Jacksonville game plan wise and then you subtract Gronkowski from the New England lineup and it's a whole different thing. And it's funny because coming into this season 
there were people that legitimately said, this might be the best New England team we've ever seen mm-hmm. because you added Brandon Cooks into that mix. Cooks really hasn't been a big deal. But Gronk has been healthy and save for the suspension over the cheapest play I've ever seen in the NFL. Gronk's been a contributor. And, you know, we look here in Carolina, we look at Greg Olson, we're like, well, he's the safety valve. He's the blanket for Cam Newton. Well, Gronk is not even that. Gronk certainly is an outlet, but he just is a matchup nightmare. And when he went down, New England was in trouble. Mm -hmm. But you're still dealing with Tom. And Brady, when it counted most, you knew it was going to happen. Yeah, You really knew it was going to happen. And people were trying to make a lot out of the pass interference calls, but it was interference. It was pretty clear. Yeah. And yes, they had let those guys play physical, but on that particular play, it's interference. You can't, you know, and you knew it was over. And Blake Bortles, there had to be a part of him as he watched New England go up with two and a half minutes left. There had to have been a part of him that said, this is my moment. This is literally what Tony Romo said during the telecast. This is what I've lived for. Mm-hmm. And then nothing. You know, they had the one big play. They get it out there near midfield and just yeah. backwards from there. I mean, Danny Amadola, Danny Amadola, Amadola came in and played that Gronk role really well. I think the, yeah. the thing that I was disappointed the most, well, the MVP I give is the New England Patriots uh, offensive line. They only hit Tom Brady seven times, and they only sacked him three. So knowing all week or the last half of the week that he had a hand injury, I would have been pushing every – I would have done anything I could to hit Tom Brady, and they just wouldn't let him. Well, speaking of hits on the quarterback – how awesome is it that James Harrison makes one of the game-sealing plays in that game? <laughs> How unbelievable is that? Yeah. This guy can't get on the field for the Steelers. In an unbelievable twist, is released at the end of the season, picked up by New England, and makes one of the pivotal plays for that defense. One of the more memorable plays that defense had, the one we will see replay of over and over and over again, is the Gilmore pass break up there yeah. at the end but that sack by Harrison that got him off schedule and really screwed everything up so good for James Harrison and even though I'm a Steeler hater at my core James Harrison's been a heck of a ball player for a long time and good for him um, and you gotta think he's gonna get a ring here is there any way that Philly can find their way past New England I think there's a way is there? Tell me about this way. Well, I'm just so impressed with Philly's defense. Really? I mean, I, I'm, I'm yeah. not. I, you're allowed to. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, and and you saw what. Okay, so if you take both games yes. over the weekend, they turned out exactly opposite of what I thought they, how I thought they were going to. Exactly. Be. I thought that it would be kind of a nail biter down to the wire with Minnesota and Philadelphia, and it was a blowout. And I thought that uh, New England would blow out Jacksonville. So, Jacksonville's best asset is their defense. They were able to smack New England in their face a little bit. And, and uh, it turned into a very tight game. And I think uh, the Eagles can do the same thing. Well, the thing with the Eagles and the Vikings, the Eagles didn't necessarily do a great job of stopping the Vikings. The Vikings just made Stopped mistake after yeah. mistake after mistake. Now, that said, they came out of the gate. On that first drive, Vikings look like we're about they to did. we're about to yeah. do this. 
and we're headed back home to play at home in the in the Super Bowl. I think what we saw from the Vikings was a moment that was just too big for them. And there had to be – it's easy to say, yeah, they came in flat. I don't think the offense did necessarily, but that defense – I haven't seen them play that badly in years. The Vikings defense played flat, and I think you can attribute part of that to the way they beat New Orleans. Can you imagine the emotional high coming off of that? Right. I mean, that's something. We see it in in sports all the time where you come off a big win and you lay an egg the next week because it just takes a lot out of you. When you compound that with all of the talk nationally about, well, Minnesota's going to get to, you know, they've got an opportunity to be the first team to win a Super Bowl at home. That's an awful lot to put on a team that hadn't been there before. And nobody was talking about the Eagles. So not only did Minnesota have all this hype coming off of the miracle Mm -hmm. and the great job and everyone's talking about it nationally, all of a sudden the Eagles are still the underdogs. Nobody believes in them. Nobody thinks anything. So they had nothing. They came in with a chip on the shoulder and they played. Did they give enough for you to believe that they could do it again against New England? Yes and no. I'm not saying I would put money on them. I just think there's a way that they can win. All right. Well, Vegas is giving you five and a half. The immediate line coming out, New England by five and a half. I think that line's going to grow. Here's the issue I have with Philly. Philly looked really good on offense. However, that was Foles throwing to wide open receiver after wide open receiver. I don't know how there were so many breakdowns in that Minnesota secondary but continually, you saw guys running behind the secondary and Foles hitting wide open guys. And that's not taking anything away from him. Foles had a great game. Foles was almost perfect in the game. There is no chance he's going to have guys running behind the defense like that mm-hmm. in two weeks. That's not going to happen. So I think what you're going to see is Foles being forced. Well, we'll talk about what he's going to be forced to do on the other side. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit jimmyv.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seat. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris Lambert, Professor Trent Nichols, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We're going to kick it down to the sideline. Aaron Andrews is going to give us an update on the Brandon Atkins injury situation. Yeah, Chris, I just talked to the, uh, the Cheap Seats medical staff, and it looks like Brandon Atkins is going to join the game. They're, uh, they've cleared him to play. Everything is good. He's coming into the game, and he should be good for the rest of the three quarters. All right, thanks. Good looking out, Andrew. Hey, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, Andrew. I don't know what to say. Yeah, it doesn't matter. 
Um, yeah, I honestly didn't think he was going to come in today. He's a little under the weather, so cut him some slack if he's a little froggy. And I really hope he's, like, hopped up on cold medicine. <laughs> we'll see how that all Big shakes keep out. Keep him near you. Yeah, no, thank you. So, going back to the Nick Foles performance, I think that Troy Aikman said it perfectly when he was talking about Case Keenum and Nick Foles. These are two guys that had an opportunity to, to quote, rewrite the narrative on their careers. You're talking about two guys who had been cast aside on multiple occasions coming into you know one of the biggest stages in American sports in a conference championship game like that. Everybody's eyes glued to the television. And Keenum, after a really great start, imploded. And nothing went right from that point on. And talk I know about there's... pressure, though. I think Keenum felt that pressure, the pressure of everybody in Minnesota, the national media, thinking about that, this is how I make – this is it. I can be the guy. Well, And not just that. I mean, you think about it in those terms where it's it's sort of intangible. Yeah, I'll be the guy. I'll be a legend. The other piece – I mean, think about this. This guy is, is looking at the difference. If he walks in there – and is able to deliver and get to the Super Bowl, you're talking about you know that next contract being $20 million a year versus you know a lucrative living being a backup quarterback somewhere. But if you take Minnesota to the Super Bowl, you're the 1A quarterback going into the offseason mm-hmm. with Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Bradford chasing you. <clears throat> now, in a moment like this, you didn't deliver, and the first thought is, well, had we had Sam Bradford in there, maybe we would have, whether that's fair or not. Now, there hasn't been a lot of run with this, and there should have been. Adam Thielen was hurt badly against New Orleans. He's got fractures in his spine mm. um, and played the game anyway. He doesn't want to attribute his performance to the injury, but there obviously was something there because Thielen wasn't right. Stephon Diggs didn't really ever show up. The offense didn't do Minnesota any favors, but the performance by that defense is unforgivable. And Mike Zimmer's not going to sleep for three weeks. You know, he's a defensive guy, has been a, a defensive assistant in the NFL now for 25 years. And to have his team come out in the biggest game he's ever had personally and play flat like that has got to just torn his soul out of him. Yeah. Well, I mean, it looked like to me that the Minnesota focused on something and Philadelphia flipped the script on them and went the total other way. And that might be getting the wide receivers behind those cornerbacks. And I don't think Minnesota trusted that Nick Foles because we haven't seen a lot of Nick Foles for years. And Philadelphia didn't really open up their offense for Nick Foles like that. So flipping the script, and they call in all those plays where he's able to launch it, I, don't, I think it caught him off guard, and they could just never adjust to it. Well, one of the things that the, – one of the reasons Nick Foles has not been a starter for the last few years in the NFL is his, his lack of mobility. Yeah. And there were a couple times he moved in the pocket just enough right. to elude that pass rush and bought a little bit of time. And what you saw consistently was those Minnesota defensive backs peeking in the backfield. And I don't know why – because I'll let Foles run all day. Yeah. Um, but peeking into the backfield and that one false step, boom. And Aguilar and Jeffries are – Yeah. Help me out. Jeffries. Yeah. Yeah. 
What am I doing? I don't know. Jeffrey. That's where Jeffrey. I was Jeffrey. Yeah, Alshon Jeffrey. Didn't feel right. You know what I mean? So, all right, coming into the Super Bowl, week and a half away, give us a prediction with a score, Kaplan. Mm. Well, I assume Gronkowski is going to play. I'm, I'm shocked he didn't play the second half somehow Look, or another. But had anyway. this been – had there been any less clear evidence that he was concussed, Belichick would have got him back into that game. Yeah. But you would have had the entire nation oh, yeah, screaming yeah. bloody murder. Right. If, if Gronkowski had not gotten up, had he just laid there on the ground and not wobbled off the field – Gronkowski would have got back in the game. Two things on that. A, how the heck do you concuss Gronkowski? He doesn't got anything in there to hurt. Come on now. And then B, it leads me to believe, this is the nation talking, the Patriots were cheating on something else, (laughs) so they didn't want to get caught on the Gronkowski thing. Now, here's the (laughs) irony with what you say about Gronkowski. So, I don't know if you guys are aware. (laughs) But there is a trend that's been going on and building steam for the last couple of years. And it is internet videos of what is called the Tide oh. Pod <laughs> Challenge. Are you familiar yeah, with this, Cal? They're eating these Tide Pod things. Yeah. Yep. And putting it up world? on video. And there have been – I looked this up. In the first 15 days of 2018, there had been – 39 reported cases by the CDC of teenagers being admitted for injuries related to eating a Tide Pod. Yeah. 39. Now, that's not, that doesn't sound like very many. However, in 2016, for the entire year, there were only like 35 cases. So these kids, mom and dad, you're at home. Lock up your Tide Pods. This is a real thing. And this is not three- and four-year-olds eating these things and having problems associated with them. It's teenagers intentionally doing this. Now, the reason I bring this up is that Procter & Gamble, who make Tide, decided that it was time to do a couple of things. First of all, they threw their weight around with YouTube and got YouTube to take all these Tide Pod Challenge videos down. The second thing is they decided to release a PSA telling kids that they should under no circumstances eat Tide Pods. (laughs) Kaplan, Trent already knows. Do you want to take a guess who their national spokesman for not eating laundry detergent is? Gronkowski. Rob Gronkowski. Sweet. Yes. Well, you know, the thing is, is I bet they're wearing a bicycle helmet. They they should be. You know, all these safe spaces, that's what it amounts to is people eating laundry detergent. Listen, if <laughs> I mean, I, here's, been what, six here's, here's my belief. Already. Here's crazy. my belief. Six people have that? died. If you harm yourself by intentionally eating something that was intended to wash your drawers... You should not be allowed to get medical treatment. No no skid marks, right? No skid marks. You should not be allowed to get treated medically. Well, That's the, thinning out the herd. The, and the problem is, is that in days gone by, folks like that just would have been out. They're out of the game. So here's the They're PSA, They're not going to procreate. Though. 
But in this day and age, we've got the medical technology to save these kids, right. and they're going to go have Tide Pod eating babies, yeah. and it just goes down from there. The PSA is this. Hey, Rob Gronkowski, should you eat a Tide Pod? And he says, no, 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 no. And that's it. <laughs> that's ex- that's about how it is too. <laughs> nice. Got like six nose. That's it. What they what yeah. they should have done. Hey Rob, is it okay to eat Tide Pods? No. no. Anytime you want to eat Tide Pods, <laughs> just take X. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, anyway. <laughs> so, Anywho, so I take it he's going to play. If he plays, I think they win by a touchdown. I'll give it uh, twenty-seven to twenty. I think they win in a blowout. I really do. I think no, things can be tight. If I'm if I'm Doug Peterson, who's done an amazing job in Philly, I mean, you think back to when he was hired, it was kind of a ho hum. Oh, great! You know, he's one of those guy coordinator. Great, big deal. Doug Peterson's doing his thing, but if I'm Doug Peterson and I have a relatively inexperienced quarterback that has, I. I He's not a bad quarterback, but he does have a limited skill set. He's not going to beat you with his legs. He can do a couple things well. If I have that guy and I have Bill Belichick on the other side with two weeks to get ready for him, I'm terrified. Hmm. I'm terrified. I'm trying to figure out if we can get some sort of bionic leg for Carson Wentz. Do you think he would be down to just chop the leg off and go with a robot leg? <laughs> I think, well, I saw him on the sidelines. Just put him out there like that. Well, he was there with a cane. Okay. And that, dude, come on, man. He's already like the most eligible. I don't Is he single? I don't know. He's like the most eligible bachelor in the country. Well, oh, he looks just like Prince Harry. My wife's in love with him. But he's out there, and you would see in most cases. She's in love with every quarterback. That's, that's, that's her, her thing. Yeah. She's a quarterback guy. Yeah. <laughs> or girl. Yeah. Quarterback gal. Um, yeah. But this guy. Not crutches, not the little wheel around, you know, thing with your leg propped up in the air. This dude's rocking a cane. Of course he is. Of course he is. But if you're in his shoes, Dave, what do you tell the medical staff? Because I'm like, Super Bowl, take the leg. Take it. No. No? No. Keep my leg. All right, fair enough. Yeah, I would feel, I'd feel I could win it next year or – once well, I'll tell you they what, might not it, ever have a chance again. I get that. That's the but, thing. Because yeah. there's, there's part of me looking at this Philly team. I'm like, man. He can you, still get a ring this year. You add Wentz back into that team, and you've got yourself a juggernaut for the next couple of years. And then there's part of me that says, an awful lot of teams have been there once mm-hmm. and right. don't ever get that chance again. And it takes so many things to go right. You look at New Orleans. If there were fairness in the universe – New Orleans probably would be playing New England a week and a half from now. And you've got it's one It's a more play. intriguing matchup, too. Without a doubt. Yeah, yeah but I still I almost feel them. like as football fans no. who put all of these hours and months worth of energy into watching these games, following our teams, I almost feel cheated that we're unlikely now to ever get a Drew Brees Tom Brady Super Bowl. It's kind of disappointing. We'll talk about it a little bit more on the other side. Big surprise coming. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.
Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. That it would be 6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow. But what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins. Got money, got fame, fast cars and everything. I'm on a dance, I gotta sing, rock song. All right, welcome back to the second half hour from the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Professor Trent Nichols, Diamond Dave Kaplan, and surprise. Brandon Atkins has made it out of the tent, cleared concussion protocol, (laughs) and is going to try to make a go of it. I feel horrible. I'm going to need you to stay way over there in your corner because you sound horrible. You know, that's this is the type of things I do for the show. You know, I, <laughs> I really lay out for the show, and I I was wondering what you guys would talk about as I'm coming into the building. I'm sh- I'm sure it's like something really highbrow, and it's about kids eating these guys' hide pods. <laughs> to yeah. be and, fair, and, though, don't they look delicious? They no, do they look don't. Real they, good. no, they don't. My they favorite, don't look good at all. <laughs> my favorite meme is it shows a box of bounce dryer sheets, and it, they call them rolling papers. <laughs> oh. nice. Millennials, or, or are they kids younger idea. than them? They're not even millennials anymore. My wife and I were talking about that, and we've got to, we've got to do some research and figure it out. But the millennial thing sort of is over. So this is the new generation. These kids are something else, man. So Tide <laughs> – Tide, if you're listening, something else. Tide, if you're listening, stop making those things look so darn delicious, okay? Yeah, why? You know, it's just the perfect balance of purple and orange. You know, they're shiny. I know those measuring cups are so hard to use, right? So you need to use these pods. (laughs) Well, listen, now I can't lie. We are a pod family, okay? And we're a pod family out of necessity because. My children don't understand right. that you cannot load that high-efficiency washing machine up without tearing it apart. And we save God knows how much money on detergent by using the pods because it's real simple. One little pod, not eight cups of doggone right. detergent poured in there where it's overflowing and making a mess. So I'm all about the pods. And my wife and I were talking about this. She being a counselor dealing with these knuckleheads that are of an age that they want to do cool things like eat detergent pods. She asked, well, you know, isn't there more risk with little kids? No, because a little kid, if a small child gets their hands on one of these pods and they put it in their mouth 
as soon as that thing goes in their mouth, they're spitting it out because I'm sure it tastes horrible. Yeah. Unless Procter & Gamble, you know, is like sweetened it to flavor them. It's the next big tobacco lawsuit, you know. Yeah, right? Maybe they taste like brownie fruit. flavored or something. But there aren't very many episodes. And there are kids that ingest anything because in America, our kids will just put anything in their mouth, I guess. Right. But it's the chicken, with small chicken children, society. Yeah. Do you think they taste like Oreo, the Fruity Pebble Oreos? I don't know, but yeah. I'm, I'm not <laughs> Maybe willing Maybe that's to, what the mystery yeah, Oreo You know what? Yeah, if there's a, a, well, 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 let's do that. We'll just have a, a cheap seats Tide Pod <laughs> challenge. None of us are going to participate. No, but I'm if there's a kid out there that wants to come in studio and have us no. laugh at you while you eat a Tide Pod, do, you the, can do that. The insurance and, guy's canceling this now. Yeah, I don't and wanna, you should know. That we're not going to take you to the doctor. Well, dude, yeah. I don't want to. But we'll give you a cheap seat worn T-shirt that you can wash after I really, you're done. Speaking <laughs> of worn materials, Brandon, you weren't here when we kicked this off today. Okay. You were getting treatment. <laughs> Look to your left. Okay. Oh, my God. The book bag. <laughs> so, David Kaplan... What year were you the intramural athlete of the year at UNC? 98. 98 was awarded that backpack as the intramural athlete of the year at UNC. We thought it was a unicorn because it's been like a year since he promised to bring it in. Hey man, well, I'm, it made it. I'm not being I'm not going to be <laughs> salty about that. The fact that it is here and on display evermore in the studio is it just made my week. This is going to be great. I'm looking at it right now. Are there still some original items in it? Looks oh, like yeah. ankle tape over yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> you should have seen some of the stuff I took out of it he when pulled, I got here. He pulled oh. one of those plastic combs with the, oh, nice. with the handle, the one that we used to rock in the back pocket. back. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, 20 years ago. No, that wasn't cool 20 years ago, Dave. <laughs> that was cool 30 years ago. I've never even used one of those combs. I don't even know why it's in there. Yeah. I, I could just see. That's how serious you were, Dave. You're like over there taping up your ankles. For yes, me. right. I love it. And what that's you, why you're a player of the year, bro. What yeah. you haven't seen yet is that he actually brought jerseys to oh. go along with. Oh my gosh! The that's right awesome. one there, Brandon, is uh, my senior year away soccer jersey. Gotcha. The home jersey is actually on display. In the North Carolina Sports Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, sure. And the left one is a crazy mule. That was the name of our uh, uh, intramural team, crazy God. mule softball jersey. Awesome. So we will get those into a uh, a better, well-appointed space right? so that they're they're truly on The display. rest of the items are displayed at Car- in Carmichael, right? Absolutely, yeah. Sure. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Nice. Speaking of UNC, bad weekend for UNC. Yeah. Great weekend if you're a Duke Blue Devil basketball fan. Yeah, I mean, Zion joining the brotherhood of the Duke Blue Devils. I didn't realize that there was such a thing. They go so deep and they hang out together so much. Yeah. Well, I, one I, year I in Durham, he's going to create the brotherhood. I'm but, suddenly dehydrated by all the saltiness up in here. Right. But is it a good thing to have all those top prospects? I mean, you have them for one year. Right. Did well, you need one might ask John four Calipari. out of the first five? Well, and by some counts, they have the top three. They do in the entire country. And watching college basketball this weekend, and I I watched I, I must have watched most of a dozen games this weekend. Um, I couldn't 
escape college basketball this weekend, and I was just enthralled. But I will tell you that it's my feeling that the 2017-2018 basketball season is the year that we reach the tipping point for college basketball. The quality of play across the country is starting to – it's dipping dramatically. There's no doubt in my mind, and I attribute it to the one and dones. You're seeing even the Blue Blood programs anymore, and they can't keep up anymore. These one and dones are wrecking the programs, and you've got no senior leadership on these teams, not even any any sophomores and, and juniors. Mm-hmm. And watching Kentucky play this this past weekend, you can see it. You can see all the NBA talent out there, and those kids don't have any idea what to do with it. And without some center of gravity on those teams to kind of be the informal leader, it's falling well, I mean, you, I watched, Am I being too dramatic No, about I watched the uh, Kentucky game. They're standing around watching Kevin Knox take pullback three-pointers. I'm kind of glad Carolina didn't get Kevin Knox because that's what it creates. Now, if you have a Bagley that can essentially do anything he wants on the court at all times, and Coach K has gone on record telling Bagley, I want you to be more selfish, you know, because I think he started the season trying to distribute – Mm-hmm. But when you're that good, one one of a kind player, kind of like an Anthony Davis, Bagley, I'd put him in that kind of category right. for college right now. Um, yeah, I mean that's when you have it going. Like if you have a Jabari Parker, that right. kind of special player. Now whether Zion turns out to be that way for Duke, I guarantee you, K won't miss any sick days next year. <laughs> no. Um, and they played what Wake Forest, and he he sat out sick. Do you think he took credit for that win, or um, did yes. he cough, cough yeah, he it up? Yeah, he definitely took care credit for that win. Okay, just checking. There's no doubt about that. Because he has a you know a little bit I of understand. a history. I understand. Across the country, for you that guys not in ACC, at the appropriate yeah. time. Oh right? yeah, man, got to right. get rid of those losses. Well, we need to do. We need to keep some context here, okay? <laughs> because Kentucky has become renowned, obviously, right. for just rolling out these incredible freshman classes. You talked about Kevin Knox, and in crunch time, that Kentucky offense is, well, get it to Kevin Knox and watch him take a bad force three. The top six scorers on that Kentucky team are freshmen right now. That's unprecedented. Um, I don't know if it's ever happened in some wacky situation before, but it's not something that lends itself to success moving on down through the next six weeks. If there's anybody that can figure out how to get those kids to play team basketball in the next six weeks, it's John Calipari. He has more experience with these one-and-dones than anybody else. But I don't see there, – there are some things fundamentally that are broken with that team. They do not communicate on defense. And I've got a very good friend of mine that I talk to all the way up – all the time up in Lexington – who's been telling me that from the first week of the season. I've been mesmerized by the length and the height of that Kentucky team. It dawned on me this weekend, he's absolutely right. And it's something as simple as them not talking to one another on defense. I don't know how you can teach enough fundamentals in such a short period of time to have that Kentucky team ready for the postseason. And when you look at the SEC right now, it's easy to say, well, the SEC is deeper than it's been in a while. No, it's not. 
Yeah. It's more balanced than it has, but there's not a Final Four team. There's not even a top three seed in the SEC, I don't think. Well, I think I told you, like, by the way, my money's on K and the Duke Blue Devils this year. I know I like – I thought Michigan State was the best team in the country. <clears throat> they still might be. But K, there's no coach that makes midseason adjustments to his team to the benefit of his team, like Coach K. It's uncanny how he does it. It's kind of Belichickian how he makes second-half changes or whatever the case may be. And he always, most times, has his players playing together and communicating like you're talking about. And there's not going to be a Lehigh in the tournament this year. There's not going to be a Mercer because for the first time in, I think, forever or a long time, they're playing from inside out rather than the reverse. And you just don't – with somebody like Bagley, you just don't sneak up on that team. Like well, they, you don't bump them off early. Like they've, you know, when you rely on the three and you kind of go cold, and the other team's hot, that's when you're vulnerable. Yeah, anybody's susceptible when you're relying on the three. You have a bad shooting night. Anybody can beat you. The thing that Duke's got to overcome, they've got to be, play better team defense. Period. And if yeah. they do, and you said Coach K, nobody is as good as as. K at making adjustments on the fly and tweaking how a team is going to play the rest of the way than K. Now, what I started to say with the context for the recruiting classes, we've looked at some of these Kentucky classes retrospectively and said, man, those were amazing classes. There's only three times in the history of college basketball that a team – it, and since there has been such a thing, because I'm sure UCLA did it back in the day. But there's only been three times that a team has gotten three players from the national top ten ranking services. One of those is Duke just last year. Bagley, Trevon Duvall, Wendell Carter were one, six, and seven. So you're taking that class right there. I don't know if we're assuming right now that all three of those guys are going to the NBA, but it's probably a pretty safe bet. But you see what Coach K has been doing, been able to do with three top tens, and then you throw in Gary Trent Jr., who was number 17. That's an amazing class. Does anybody want to take a guess at the only other time a team has gotten three number uh, three top ten players in one class? Any guesses? I'm a little disappointed. I mean, it's got to be Kentucky or Duke. It's UNC. Oh, wow. And it was the 2006 class with Brandon Wright, Ty Lawson, and Wayne Ellington. Oh, wow. They yeah. were 3-5-8. and eight, And three years later won a national championship. Yeah. But it, but they stayed. They stayed. Well, except for Brandon Wright. Yeah, Brandon Wright, he, he was an early jumper right. um, to the NBA. But Ellington and, gotten, and Lawson stayed. We've kind of – and I hate it, and my boy Chris Champagne hates when I dog Pinson. But, you know, he was a five-star recruit. I mean, right. we get them. Well, he's Mr. Basketball in North Carolina, and you can see when you watch him athletically why he would have been able to dominate in high school. Well, I think – I mean, he's, he does everything really well, just not that well. He does – when he's creating in his own shot, he just does a little too much. That's right. that's the MO on Pinson. And he doesn't and I, have a jump shot. And he can't shoot a three after four years. Good Lord, heaven. This quit. 
I mean, just, <laughs> just stop doing it. Um, but anyway. But I think UNC has benefited from this early one and done because they've oh, kept so. their players. I think they won a championship last year as a result. I think so. Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back. Talking a little college hoops here on From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, Dave Kaplan. And I had to do some fact-checking during the break, guys. Uh-oh. Fact-checking. What did I get wrong? I got it wrong. It's got to be Kentucky's. Kentucky's done it twice. Yeah, I was yeah. Kentucky's say, done it twice. Nah, I'm reading from a bad article. I'm, Man, not, gonna, we don't... I'm not even going to give them any love. But Kentucky had two classes that – Depending upon which rankings you're looking at, had three of the top ten players. Dude, I know my Tar Heels couldn't cheat well well enough to to. Yeah, when you when you stack up UNC cheating versus UK, there's no comparison. Well, I'm (laughs) I'm sitting here looking at David talking about the Tar Heels. Do you ever remember a time other than the last I don't know half a decade, six seven years, where we got excited about just inside the top hundred? recruits that we've been getting. I'm sitting here looking. They have the number 10 overall player, Trey Jones, coming into Duke. How Wouldn't we be high-fiving each other if we got a top 10 player? It's just been so long. And, I mean, I guess it's hard for me to complain because we got the results, but it's still – I mean, you keep putting top 10 players together, eventually you're going to strike gold. Okay, so here's the question. We've heard for the last four or five years – it's negative recruiting against UNC. It's negative recruiting against UNC. It's negative recruiting against UNC. Guys, there's no sanctions hanging over your head anymore. Why is Duke getting four of the top ten players in the country and UNC gets none? I don't know. I don't understand. the. That's why I was kind of – shocked that he went to Duke just like everybody else. I thought it might be a Kentucky. I mean, I was hopeful that it was Carolina. I was kind of hopeful that it was Clemson. I'd like to see more balance in the ACC. We talked about that. And more exciting balance, not Virginia, like, scoring 39 points per game. Okay. While you say that, 
<coughs> since you obviously don't have a good answer. <laughs> well, does anybody? I mean, does I don't anybody? know, man. You actually, this weekend, we talked about this a lot, and you said, I think it's Jeff Capel. I think Capel is a recruiting monster. Maybe it is. I don't know. He is a beast on the recruiting trail. And I think he has mastered the recruitment presentation about K. Hey, man, come and join K. He can put you in, you know, contact with LeBron James and all these guys, and you can be a bookend on Coach K's career. Maybe it is. I mean, that, I guess, to even me would be kind of attractive if I was a player and I didn't care. The one thing I I don't know that I've been able to find it, but, you know, is Zion's parents came out and said there was a team that lost out that had a a mile-and-a-half lead. I'm curious to find out who that was. Clemson. Well, who was it? Clemson. You think think Dabo Swinney was involved in the recruiting (laughs) process? No. I think it was Clemson. Clemson was – everyone thought that he was going to go to Clemson. I mean, how do you screw that up? I mean, I mean, they're, well, they got a good squad right now this year. They do. Clemson's they do, except that they still can't beat UNC at home ever. Well, that's never going to happen. How many years have it been now? 59? 50. And the, 59. You know, don't 59 we, <laughs> we alternate years, too, so there will be two more years before they even get another opportunity. How right. do you screw that up? You go in there – Jeff Capel, and you tell him, look at who we have coming. You want to win a title? You come to Duke, or you can go to Clemson and be the guy, but I'll get you a title, and then you'll be in the NBA with the rest of these guys. Like Zion Williamson's not going to be in the NBA if he played for No, he would, but why not get a title on every level that you've ever played at? Well, then why wouldn't you go to Carolina then? We've been in the last two national championships. Right. I mean, that – It basically is – Because they don't have the – other three guys that Duke does. I think that the, <laughs> if you're if you're going that route and you say, hey, look, here's the thing with North Carolina. North Carolina hasn't shown, Roy Williams hasn't, that he's going to give a freshman real playing time, real minutes, and showcase them to the point where they can be a top three pick in the NBA draft. Am I forgetting anybody? Because our our you know if you look at the Tar Heels, your examples of one and dones it. Tony Bradley? And he shouldn't have been. Well, Never should have been. Bradley should be dominating the ACC this year. Right. And, of course, I'm not going to go counting his money. I'm sure he's being paid really well to sit on the bench for Utah. If he's is even a two-way guy, he might be down in the G League. I don't know. Everybody knew that was going to happen. But with Duke, once they sort of cracked the seal with Okafor, then Jabari Parker, or would I have him reversed? Thanks for helping, yeah. guys. Yeah. Okafor, yeah. Jabari yeah. Parker, right. they've shown. Guys, we, we know how to do it, yeah. this just like Kentucky does. And if and this is not meant as a slight, but, yeah, it is. As a young black man, if I have the opportunity to live in Lexington, Kentucky, or Chapel Hill, North Carolina, I've lived adjacent to both places, Chapel Hill's going to get the nod every single time. I don't disagree with that. Not I'll to take any away from Lexington, Kentucky. Well, it's a great town. I'm going to go. I'm just saying. I'm going to go. It's cold. I'm going to go real conspiracy theory. So when we won big on announcement day, it's been a while ago, who was the last player we landed? Do you remember? Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes. Right. Do you remember how the Carolina fan base treated that kid? When he didn't like deliver the goods and he wasn't like Michael Jordan. That's an excellent right. point, brother. I mean, that's an excellent point. And turn I can into tell a nice you, NBA player. To contrast it, yeah, he is too. Uh, very underrated. 
to contrast that, I can tell you in Lexington, those kids are gods. Right. Right. That is as as visceral a fan base, but the those kids they're, they're gods. They're I just demigods. Remember. And Duke, you don't ever hear anybody griping about anything that's happened with Duke Athletics. It's why David Cutcliffe's there and will be there forever until he's dead. I definitely feel like Duke has a more reasonable fan base. Like, I'm talking about the true rent fan base. I'm not talking about the New Jersey fans who will also pull for I, I got the you. Patriots. But maybe what you've just said is maybe that's – maybe we have solved it right now. And Harrison Barnes is a great example because Harrison Barnes – look at James Michael McAdoo. Yeah. Right. You know, he was raked over the coals, and he stayed. I've told you a million times, James Michael McAdoo, had he come out after his freshman or sophomore year. Made a lot more money. Would have made a heck of a lot more money. He stuck around as part of the program and just got beat to death by the fan base. So maybe that's part of it. And people, I'm sure that if we can figure it out, that Coach K and Capel and the rest of those guys over there have put enough thought into that, they probably have a, a, a prezi. <laughs> <laughs> that they roll in and right. they're like, boom, look at this article, look at this, look at this blog, look at the rest of this stuff. I well, bet it's, you it's ahead, a dude. little bit of an audition for successors. And I think you're you're matching up Hubert Davis versus Jeff Capel. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's your successors. And right now Capel's having the way with them. But I will tell you this, things have a way to work out in the end and they kind of even out. Just like Smith had the way with the whole UN with the whole uh, ACC. And then eventually, Kay knocked his way in. Valvano was a little glimpse in there as well. Well, I think it's invari- so it, it'll work out. invariably with UNC and Duke. I think the cycle that we're finding ourselves in now is that when UNC rotates these classes through and these kids are juniors and seniors, they're going to have a great squad. Right. A seasoned squad that's got, you know, the 23rd and the 35th best prospect who've actually stuck around versus a crew of Duke freshmen. UNC is going to get the better of that. So, but yeah, in who's a in a better like position this, when the one and done is over? I don't who's know in that a better the one position. and done I don't – say that again now? Who would be in the better position right now if when the one and done is over? It wouldn't be Duke next year. It wouldn't be Duke next year, but I don't think Coach K is living. I mean, when you're when you're as long in the tooth as he is, you're not thinking about four years from now. You're thinking, uh, about, let me get one more of these banners. Let me get one more. And I think the same with Calipari. I don't know what's going to happen with the one and done's. I don't think it's going to go away. I think really when you look at it, the NCAA, March Madness is still, you know, right. it's an American institution. The NBA, those franchises, look at what these franchises are worth, how valuable they are as they're being sold right now. They're exponentially more valuable and than the, they were 15 or 20 years ago. So really, what's the problem? Well, and the tournament is all about matchups. It's who you get matched up. Now, who's more susceptible to a bad matchup, Carolina or Duke this year. It was obviously Carolina. Like, if right. they run into the wrong – they almost got beat by Wake Forest at home because they had, like, a six foot seven guy clogging up the middle and they didn't know what to do. Um, Duke does not have that problem because they can wear you out from the outside and in. Carter mm-hmm. Jr. is now scoring. I think he outscored uh, Bagley the other day in the last game they played. You get a couple more pieces around him and you got to – you know, hot game by Grayson Allen over here every once in a while. I mean, that team's going to be hard to beat. I don't care who they're matched up with. They are. And like I said, the defense, I mean, we all see it, and I'm sure Coach K sees it, and he'll get it fixed as they move forward. Duke's going to be a tough out. North Carolina, I'm not certain that this isn't Roy Williams' best coaching job I've seen him 
Execute. Hey, he said he's 67, will be 97 at the end of the year. <laughs> I have no but, doubt. Daggummit. But when, you, dag look at, when yeah. you look at that roster and you look athlete by athlete, player by player, it the rem- cupboard is barer than it normally it is. It reminds in, me in of the Carolina. David Noel year with Joe Barry kind of playing that role. Right. Yep. Well, we'll see. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you're on WBCC, follow us over to the internet. You can find us in the iTunes podcast app. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to the second hour from the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert. We are talking college hoops. And I want to tell you, so R.J. Barrett, who's headed from Canada to Duke as the number one player in the country. Now, Brandon, it's interesting to me that Zion Williamson, who they have number two on ESPN, got the 8 o'clock Sports Center nod. Isn't it amazing how powerful a tool YouTube has become? Because Zion Williamson and his highlight reels on YouTube are out of control, and that's what's right. created this. That's what brought has brought him into the national consciousness. And, you know, we assume this kid's going to be great when he gets to Duke. But whether or not he is, he's got a memorable name. He's got a great YouTube reel. And he got to announce at 8, 8, 8 p.m. nationally and make a splash like that. That's just bizarre to me that, that these 18-year-old kids coming out of high school – there's that much attention and that much pressure on them at this point. Well, I mean, do you think overall across the country people tuned in for that? I think most people outside of the top ten programs in college basketball probably don't care too much. What do you think, Trent? Well, I think the the teams that were in the running in the end, uh, I think they all – I think a lot of people did tune in for it. Okay. Well, I mean, look – Carolina's not starving, and it depends on which list that you're looking at. You know, we have Nasir Little. List I'm looking at, he's top 10. Uh, you got Kobe White coming around 19, and you got um, 
let's see, Rickon Black coming around top 50. So you got three players coming in from the top 50. If you add a Zion, which I, w- I think what people are missing is people are like, oh, my God, his dunks. Yeah, their dunks are awesome. But the fact that he's that big, I think he's, what, 6'5"? He can take it from coast to coast being that big and bulky and finish and create. Now, I don't quite know about his shot. I don't think anybody does. But that's a daggone good start on the college level. You can see how he will change. Um, that's what was so impressive. I'm not comparing the two. But last year when I saw uh, Jason Tatum, when I saw what he could do, like taking it coast to coast, I'm like, that's an NBA player right, right there. Right. He could do pretty much everything else. But when he started handling the ball the way it looks like Zion does, now he's in high school. And sometimes, you know, I remember what – I mean, LeBron James is one of the best that's ever played, but I remember watching him. I mean, who couldn't play that well against these, like, six-foot-tall Brandon Atkins out there on the court with, right. you know, short shorts on? So I think ESPN, we all know who they're hitching their wagon to next year by giving them that 8 p.m. spot. And, you know, they're going to they're gonna follow that. It's kind of like the guy that's come out of the woodwork right now is the Trey Young. You know, is Trey Young the Lorenzo Ball of next year's draft? Chris, I'll let you go first. First of all, let me tell you you my feelings on Trey Young. Brandon Atkins has said this before, that if you get enough minutes, you're going to get your points. Okay? Somebody in the NBA, on every team in the league, there's going to be somebody that's averaging about 20 points. Okay? It's because somebody has to score. Trey Young this weekend against Oklahoma State scored 48 and was plastered all over Sports Center and everything else. Every highlight show, oh my gosh, Trey Young, Trey Young, Trey Young. And he has been for weeks. Trey Young was 14 of 39 in that game. <laughs> he missed 25 points. To give you some context for that, LaMarcus Aldridge the same weekend missed 19 shots for the San Antonio Spurs, he went 6 of 25, if I'm not mistaken. Missed 19 shots. That's the most shots he's ever missed in an NBA game. And you're talking about a guy that takes 20, 25 shots every doggone night. You have to keep this realistic. Trey Young, to me, is on a very mediocre team. And when I was playing basketball in high school, we had a name for point guards like Trey Young. Black hole? No, it's something like that. We used to but get it starts with an A, and it's not anything I'm going to say on the air. Trey Young has completely alienated that Oklahoma team, and they better have a team meeting right now. Because if you watch Oklahoma play, and Oklahoma went into that game with Oklahoma State at number four, that team is not even a top 20 team in the country. Trey Young is easy to take away. And what's happening in Oklahoma is everybody's standing around watching this kid. Well, all you got to see is the last play against Oklahoma State. <laughs> the very last play is telling. Like, all the players just knew they weren't getting the ball. They had four players trailing them all the way down the court, and he gets a horrible shot up. He should have dished it off. I mean, he had and, no and chance. Not only, sh- not only dish it off, he forced up a bad three. His success in that game had, ta- had come taking the ball to the ten. You've got to have better instincts than that. And if you're going to be a point guard at the highest level, you've got to do a better job. Trey Young is going to continue to hoist up points. I think he's averaging just over 30 points a night right now. 
he's getting run as the best freshman in the country and a possible player of the year candidate. I remember when A-Rod came, and this is, uh, I know, out of left field, A-Rod came from Seattle and they had that horrible record, and the one one of his teammates said, well, we couldn't have got it without him, talking about A-Rod. I'm looking at this guy. They've lost three out of the last five, last two games, and that's going to continue to get worse. I mean, you can't you can't drop three of the last five without this guy because he's certainly going to gun it for real. If you're out there listening and you want to recognize whether somebody knows what they're talking about or not, any of these analysts – that shape their mouth up to say that Trey Young is the best freshman in the country, (laughs) doesn't know anything about basketball, Marvin Bagley III is better in every conceivable way than Trey Young. Now and as it translates to the NBA, period, and there is no conversation about that. There's none to be had. Oklahoma is fun to watch. And this kid is – he's a poor man's – Chris Jackson slash Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf. The player that he reminds me of the most in recent memory is Mike Conley. When Mike Conley was at Ohio State, he had that little floater. He had all the moves, the spin move, that little delay move that he has where he's just going to get by you. The difference is Mike Conley took that Ohio State team as a freshman to a Final Four with Greg Oden. The reason that they got to the Final Four is that Mike Conley was a distributor of the basketball first. We can't lose sight of the fact that as the point guard, it's not impressive when you come down, nobody else on the team touches the ball, and you put up a shot from 32 feet. In the NFL, we look at receivers and we call them divas. Ah, you know, you got to get them involved in the game or they lose interest. Yeah, they do. If you've got Randy Moss out to one side – You've got to find a way to get him the ball to get him involved in the game. Because if you don't, and then in the second half, you're counting on that cat to go over the middle and get pounded by a linebacker, he's not going to do it. Same in basketball. You talk about rewarding the big man. When they run the floor and you're on the break, don't take it. Give the the bunny to the big man. Trey Young's got a long way to go. Trey Young's game does not translate to the NBA. And I really wish folks would spend a little less time harping about how great this kid is. I just don't – I'm not buying It's it. forced. You know what I mean? It yeah. feels like it's national media trying to force this guy down your throat because he can shoot like over 30 times per game. And if you didn't learn anything, national media, when you totally missed the boat on Jason Tatum, why are you not learning from your mistakes? I mean, Bagley, if you watch any basketball, is clearly the best – he could make first team all NBA rookie team this year. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And I'm not sure. I've said this before, and I'll, I'll stand by it. Three or four years from now, he will be an all star in the NBA. And if things break right, he ends up in the right system around the right talent. I'm not certain that three or four years from now, he's not in the conversation as one of the best players in the NBA. Trey Young will get run out of the NBA. If you think these guys making $15 million a year are going to come down and watch this kid play offense by himself, it's just not going to happen. And that's what's going on in Oklahoma right now. They've got to get it fixed. That number four ranking was too high to start with. They're coming back down to earth very quickly. 
They're almost he, he 500. He does average 10, 10 assists a game. Well, I mean, if you've got the ball in your hands <laughs> the whole time, every time somebody's down the floor, a, in an offense. But that should tell him something. But he shoots like 37%. So. Yeah. What, do, uh, what do they say about the squirrel and the nut, the nut? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, if you're out there for the entire game, you're eventually going to accidentally get some assists, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, this is Lon Kruger. I mean, he had Buddy Heel that was doing the same thing, pretty much. That's his. He set up his offense that way. Well, that's the other thing too. Is is now Oklahoma with this with this performance that Trey Young put up, forty five and five. It's only he now Oklahoma has two of the last three players that have done it. The one that did it before that was Buddy Heald. Mm-hmm. Buddy Heald's game has not translated to the NBA. Of course. He's down there in Sacramento, and they don't have a clue what they're trying to accomplish down there, but that's an entirely different discussion for a different time. I want to give a couple minutes to Diamond Dave Kaplan because he's been furiously scribbling notes here. Yeah? What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about Tiger Woods. Okay. Um, let's talk about golf in general real quick, then we're going to get to Tiger. Very T- quickly. Tiger's back, uh, came back in his own tournament, finished middle of the pack. Uh, but he looked solid. That was the key to that. Um, but – very, you know, they start each year with Tournament of Champions at Kapalua. Just an awesome event because it's on at night. We're freezing our tail off, and, uh, and it just looks beautiful uh, sitting there way up on the hills looking down at the Pacific Ocean. But Dustin Johnson won by eight strokes, so that was impressive. But what's crazier is Brooks Kepka. that's one of those no-cut fields as well. There's about 35 players usually in it. It's everybody who won the previous year. U.S. Open winner from last year. Y'all remember the guns, you know, Brooks Kepka flexing his way to a win there. He finished in last. Uh-oh. He was on my team. Yeah, he was Time on your team. Down. That's right. He finished in last. He finished 37 strokes behind <laughs> Dustin Johnson. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. He's cut from my team yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's he's shooting seven or eight strokes worse He's shooting eight or nine strokes worse around. Okay, but that sounds bad. That sounds bad. That is bad. You and I, if you and I went and played four rounds over four days. Yeah, but we didn't get paid about eight million last year to do it either. I think he I think I'd I'd be willing I'd be willing No, I wouldn't either. You couldn't give me thirty seven strokes over four days. You'd still find a way to be. Well, isn't Kepka injured? Did he get hurt during the tournament? No, I th- he has some nagging injuries. Right? Well, he's yeah. he's he, he out. Had to, he had to have been in a concussion protocol at some point. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Thirty-seven. I, did, I just thought that was interesting. I had to bring that up. Well, he's he been. He was in a tent, but it was the beer tent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, why not? You're in Hawaii. You know. Kepke is out until the Masters. He's going to lay out until the Masters. Right. So yeah. I mean, well, after getting beat by thirty-seven <laughs> strokes, God, I think I take. Some time I think off he to took advantage. I think he was taking advantage of a trip to Hawaii and and just seeing where he was. And, <laughs> It was like, my neck, my back, my neck, and my back. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it was a great tournament, and all the big names. John Ron finished second. Uh, Ricky Fowler was right there in the field. Matsuyama, Spieth. So, other than the fact that DJ lapped him, he was just striping his driver. You can hit, like, those 400-yard drives there when it's downhill, downwind. So, that was pretty cool to watch. Sony Open, uh, a kid by the name of uh, Patton Kizzy. Won that one in a playoff over James Hahn. James Hahn popped up there. Pat and Kinsey actually finished a year strong, kind of that start of 18. It's weird how they do that now. He finished tied for fourth in the Shriner, so he's playing well. Don't know much about him. Last week, John Rahm won. 
So there's another big name. He was, the, I think, the third or fourth player in the last 25 years to win what used to be called the Hope, Bob Hope Classic out in the desert. Uh, now it's the Career Builder Challenge. Uh, he, he won in a playoff over Andrew Landry. Uh, so back-to-back weeks with playoffs, that's pretty cool. That's always uh, adding a little drama. But he shot 22 under. Grayson Murray played in this tournament, finished six off the lead, uh, minus 16, tied for 14. There you go. So Grayson's got a good start to the year already for him. Now, Tiger's going to be back in a full-field event uh, at Torrey Pines. Guess how many times he's won at Torrey Pines? Seven. Seven. There you go. He's done some research. Boom! All right, what's the breakdown? How many times in the Farmers? Let me look it up on the break. All right, there you go. We'll see you on the other side. You're listening from the Cheap Seats. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey, Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on. Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back, everybody. DJ Schlepprock is back in the building. Tim Copas had us on autopilot. Now he's back in. That always gives me a sense of security. Oh, yeah. I feel better Absolutely. about it. Now, Dave, no, he's not wearing the jacket, though. Nah, not today. Man, it's, it's kind of warm out there for leather. Yeah. And animal skins. Um. Folks at home can hear your jacket, I'm sure, though. Every time you move, he's got his ski bunny jacket. I don't know what's going on, man. Fresh back from Jackson Hole. So we're going to let you finish up your thoughts about golf. But I do want – this is – I have to. Pat and Kizzy. Pat and Kizzy. Is a cool name. That is. However, it's my second favorite name of the day. Because as we're going through all these basketball prospects, we talked about the first three. And – Per ESPN, R.J. Barrett from Canada, who's number committed one. to Duke, is yep. number one. Zion Williamson, which is a great name, is yep. headed to Duke as well in number two. Cam Reddish from Morristown, Pennsylvania, is headed to Duke. That's their one, two, three. First time anybody's ever got the top three guys. But the number four prospect in the land. Going to Oregon, right? Oregon yep. Duck commit. Son of NBA legend Manute Bowl. Bowl Bowl. Bowl Bowl. Bowl Bowl. Bowl Bowl. Bowl. I guess that is. I could say that all day. What what are we going to name him? I don't know. Well, Bowl Bowl. Yeah, Bowl Bowl. Yeah, sounds good. Perfect. I guess somebody had like writer's block when it came to the name. (laughs) Well, you know, I'm thinking about it. I don't know what the, you know, naming configuration is traditional in the Sudan, which is where he hails from. I, I don't know. I thought, well, maybe you take your dad's last name as your first name. Maybe that sort makes of no name sense thing. at all. But then that really screws it up because now you're just in an endless cycle. <laughs> bowl, bowl, bowl. Well, what your son's name? Um, your grandson, bowl. This is my this is my great grandkid, bowl. That's do you what think Jordan Foreman did? Do you think he's forty years old like Manute was when he played? And I 
actually no. think this kid is probably legit. Okay. Because dad came. Now, I, I do want to say, Manute Bowl is one of the most philanthropic people who has ever right. walked the planet and literally gave every nickel he ever made in the NBA back to relief efforts in the Sudan. Right. Um, just awesome. One of the most noble people to ever watch, walk the planet, unless you factor in the fact that he lied on every document he ever did when he was going to Cleveland State <laughs> because he was legitimately like 36 years old when he entered college. Am I, do I have that correct? It is something like That's that. That's what's come out. How tall is Bobo? 7'2". Mm. And growing probably? I'm sure he is. Wow. That's I'm sure impressive. he is. He is a 7'2", 230, and uh, will be an Oregon duck. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Huh. He'll make an impact up there in the Northwest. Yeah, his dad was fun to watch, man. He just was like a cartoon character. He was. (laughs) Well, I mean, look at Oregon. They got two top 15 picks. Well, Phil Knight, you know, when you call him and – Throw the money at it. You know, throwing that Nike money around, you can do that. All right, back to Adidas. Before you do, though, before (laughs) you do, Oregon, Brandon, we were talking about this this weekend – isn't that the ugliest college basketball floor, high school basketball oh, floor, yeah. NBA basketball floor ever? It hurts my eyes. It's horrible. And why don't they just keep it real and put a gigantic Nike swish right in the middle of the doggone place that takes up the entire floor? Put the Nike swoosh there. It's Phil Knight University. Phil had to have blessed off on those trees going on that floor. And I thought maybe it's a flash in the pan thing because, you know, they changed – College, they even change helmets, you know, with the football team. And if you're not aware, that's Nike doing that, where they've got 18 different variations of the uniform. They try out all of their new technology, all of their new designs. But that floor, dude, it just looks horrible. And it it's even bad. worse the higher the definition TV you're watching it on. It is. Hmm. It's been there for probably six years. Yeah, but yeah. it's awful. And yeah. it, it it's worthy of talking about, I suppose. They're, do, they're doing new floor. It'll come next. Night on the It'll phone, come man. next year. Then what will if Nike could design any type of floor, what would it be? We talked about the UNC floor and we were we were schooled. Trent and Robert Bricky told us, well, there's there, you know, yeah, there's springs in the floor. It's a safety thing, whatever. If Nike could design a floor, what kind of technology would be involved? I don't know. I Air don't pockets. Know. They'd have the little gel, you know, like in the It back. looks what, like what are those called? In the shoes, the gel. In the back, uh, I don't know. I don't know what they're showing. Whatever, I, yeah. I, I'm not a shooter. It looks like if you're watching it on TV on high def, which what I did, it looks like it's a green screen. The players look weird on it. Like I mean, <laughs> yeah. it yeah. just looks. I can't watch it because it looks weird, and it actually does hurt my eyes. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know if I answered your question. It's like the Boise State football field kind yeah, of. Yeah, that's a bit much. Too. Yeah, the blue, the one. blue field. Ugh. Has anybody watched Ohio State play basketball this year? No. No. All right. Well, let me let me tell you what's going on, and there ought to be a rule against this, since we're talking about things that should not be allowed in college basketball. Andrew Dockich is a graduate transfer to Ohio State this year. Oh. Andrew Dockich is an all right basketball player. Want to take a guess whose dad? I can't stand it. Got to be Dan Dockett. It yeah. is. And they have the Big Ten Network. Oh. I thought the first time they let him call an Ohio State game would be the last. No. Every time they're on BTN now, Dan Dockett is calling the game. And as bad as he is to listen to normally, listening to him talk about his son, is it, it makes my ears bleed. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Why do they do this mess? Are there producers that – 
are they completely out of tune with what anybody wants to hear? I'm there, sick of it. Isn't it an NCAA violation? Shouldn't that be like, shouldn't you be Conflict sanctioned for that? Yes. Yeah. Ought to be. Anyway. All right. Tiger Woods. Yes. Um, so, seven wins at Torrey Pines, six of them with the Farmers. One was the U.S. Open, his last major on a broken knee. Okay. Y'all with me on that? Yep. Yeah. What's uh, what do you think? Is he going to make the cut? Yes. Yes. Sure. Yeah, man. Sure. It's his time. No. Trent says no. I say yes on the cut. He finished mid-pack in his own tournament, but that was against some of the top players in the world. How's he finish here? If he it, missing the cut, we got that YouTube top uh, twenty-five, top ten. I'm gonna. I don't know whether he's going to finish top ten, top fifteen, top twenty-five, but I'm going to say that he finishes. Within six of the leader. Within six of the lead. Yeah. Okay. That's it, yeah. Tough course. He's not ready. He won't finish. He he's not ready. Cut. How much more time could he take to get ready? Because well, I'll be honest, if he's not ready now, he's not going to get ready. What I will say is, is I was thoroughly impressed with his game off the tee. It looked better than it's looked in ten years. Uh, in his own tournament. I mean, he was striping the driver, and that puts him in a different position. That's twice you said striping the driver. He had in, in he had show. one good yeah. day. <laughs> he had one good day in his own tournament. No, nah, I mean, he hit the driver well. All Now, he scored well one good day, but he hit the driver well every and, round. And to your point, I think at this point, if he can come out and strikes the ball well, that's an indicator that he might be able to come back. I, I wouldn't suspect that he's going to come back and that his ability to scramble and his short game is going to be where Well, it's and that's where the real question mark is, is his short game. That's where in some of his past attempts at comebacks, he struggled the most was in the short game. All right, I'm going to read out five things, and then we'll wrap up the Tiger talk. All right, five Tiger stats. What's most impressive? He won a major by 12 or more. This happened only four times in history. Tiger did it twice. That's the most impressive. All right, there you go. No. <laughs> All right, next one. Last 60 years, only three times that a player has won five events in a, in a row. Tiger did it all three times. That's the, that's that's the, most, impressive. That's the most impressive. <laughs> all right, okay. Let's see how this goes. Cuts made in a that's row. That's the most impressive. No, 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 no. 142 cuts made in a row. Second was Byron Nelson with 113. Third was Jack with 105. That's pretty impressive. 142 cuts made in a row. 54-hold lead. This is my favorite, so you can go oh, ahead and tell you that. That's most impressive. 54 of 58 times he has closed a 54-hold lead. That's a 93% win percentage. Oh, my God, no, that's the most impressive. Guess who Guess who was second? Mickelson. No. Jack, 60%. I, you know what? I, I actually say knew that. Jack. I think you had texted me that right. a long time ago. Now, guess and what? that was the, one of those ideas where guess, Dave, so, you know, Brandon always complains – I've got ideas. Dave actually had this idea. I want to run these stats right. for Tiger Woods. And I was like, yeah, we'll do that. And you see six and months later, like, we're doing it. We're, doing it. we're doing it. We're getting it done. All right, so Tiger, 93%. Jack, 60%. What's the PGA Tour average on, on uh, closing a lead after 54 holes? 48%. 30, 17. 33%. 33 That's what I was about to there say. There you go. All right, 1997 to 2013. 100 playing at least 100 major rounds. False. <laughs> Out of 70, there were 72 players who played 100 majors, major rounds in 97 to 2013. Tiger was 126 under par. You will never get this. Who was second? It was Mickelson, and he was 18 over. 
No. He was third at 128 over. Wow! And Tiger was 126. No, wait! Under. That's the most impressive, Dave! Well, Steve, who's second? Steve in the flesh. Steve Flesh. Steve Flesh. Yeah, can you believe that? That's kind of no, wild. that's bananas. 125 over. I don't even know So that he guy. was 250 strokes better in majors than the next guy from 1997 to 2013. Is that good? <laughs> good. That's even more impressive than Dustin Johnson beating Brooks, Brooks Kepka by 37 strokes. I'll be slightly injured. When is the tournament? This weekend? That he's this not going to make the cut? It starts Thursday. I'm going to watch Thursday Did we Thursday not get credentials Friday. for that? We should have. Well, yeah, it's, in, it's in San Diego. So? San Diego. I want to go. <laughs> I want to go and say, Tiger, play to win. Play to win. Yeah. San Diego. Where does San Diego get its name from? I San Diego. I think it was, a, it was something to do with a whale. San Diego. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It was something to do with a whale. Beautiful. Thanks for that golf update. It's been something too long. To and it is, it is kind of golf time. Am I the yeah. only one that get thinks – Get you out of the cold. It's look, talking about cold, I'm telling you guys, we're gonna get punished here in February. It's been too mild a winter. But we need to get out there and play. You're listening from the cheap seats. Thanks for hanging out on the WBLZ network. Keep keep on rolling with us. We got one half hour to go, guys. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today, or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. Listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, welcome back to the final half hour from the Cheap Seats. Diamond Dave Kaplan has left the building. I think uh, I think you punked him out, Brandon. How? I think before you showed up, he was down to do a full two hours. And just realized, I can't hang. Really? I, no, I don't really think that's don't what happened. Don't you put that? <laughs> I, think that don't you? I think somebody called and was like, I need some insurance. And he was like, I got to go. Sorry, man. It's a money call, baby. I got to go. money call. So we've been talking about basketball. I want to pivot out of that. And I want to make a statement and see how you guys feel about it. I think Super Bowl Sunday is the last time we see Bill Belichick on an NFL sideline. Uh-huh. No. <laughs> nice. We're back to that again. That's awesome. I, I really, and especially after watching them after the game this past weekend to get into the Super Bowl, I can't imagine how they can split that up if they go on and win yet another. That, that means, if I have this right, the last three out of the last four Super Bowls they've been in and won. Is that correct? And this will be like Brady's sixth? Sixth. Um, it was funny. A friend of mine, they he sent me an, an x-ray of Tom Brady's hands, and it had all five rings on it. I was like, <laughs> I hate your guts. Dude, you're but talking how, about a guy. This is their 10th Super Bowl as a franchise. 
This is nine Super Bowl appearances for Tom Brady. No, eight. I'm sorry. Yeah, eight. eight. I forgot the blood. I forgot the uh, Green Bay game. Eight Super Bowl appearances for Tom Brady. That that defies anything we ever thought anybody was capable of doing. Well, and at know. some point, you've got to get to the point where you recognize anything from here is going to tarnish my reputation. What and do you- we've seen a steady outflow of talent in terms of coaching staff from New England for years. It's been a trickle, though. And you've got Charlie Weiss, Romeo Cornell, Eric Mangini, Bill O'Brien. These guys have all gone on to be head coaches other places with very limited success. But it still creates a strain. And this year, what we're seeing coming out of New England in terms of the loss of coaches is unprecedented. Josh McDaniels has already taken the the Indianapolis job. Matt Patricia is going to Detroit. You've got two assistants that are retiring. Now you've got whispers that the linebackers coach is going to Arizona. Arizona's second interview. This, This is a level of leakage of talent we've never seen before. And New England has been a team that has come up with its assistants in-house up to this point. If you're going to make a break, now is the time to go. You know, you've got to come up with two new coordinators, three more position coaches in one offseason. They've got to be part of your system because the buy-in into Belichick and the communication, it's all absolute. There are whispers that there is a rift between Belichick, Brady, and Robert Kraft, the owner of the team. I don't think Belichick's got it in him to go do this someplace else. I don't know why he would want to at this point. You don't need to expand on what you've accomplished up to this point to solidify yourself as the best coach in NFL history. Why risk screwing it up? I mean, how do you screw it up, though? I mean, you just don't get a Super Bowl and win it next year? No, I mean, I, mean, I think that the there, there's two ways. One, if he winds up there and New England starts to come down from that mountain – yeah, I think it tarnishes it. He, how is that happening though? Like, I just don't see Tom Brady. Look for this. This game to me was all about Tom Brady. I've never seen someone. He's got some special players, Amendola, but I've, I've succumbed to hating Brady as much as I have. I've stopped doing that, and I'm kind of trying to live kind of in the moment with Brady. Just kind of like LeBron James, people need to appreciate these guys. Um, but how do you how do you look yourself in the mirror and go, nah, I don't want to coach with this quarterback anymore? Okay, I mean, how do you do that? Here's the here's what I'll say. Bill Belichick knows his team better than anybody, and I'm not taking a single thing away from New England Patriot fan. Yes, this dynasty is the most impressive dynasty, perhaps in sports history in America. You could argue that maybe the UCLA men's basketball run was better. You've got the Yankees through the 20s and 30s. There are some some parallels out there. But when you look at it, given the context and the day and age in which it's happened with free agency, the salary cap, 
and all of that, what the Patriots have done stands alone for me. Now, that said, you cannot ignore the fact that New England is going to a Super Bowl and beat Tennessee and Jacksonville in the playoffs, both at home. They didn't have to play Pittsburgh. They didn't even have to play Baltimore. They didn't have to play Kansas. They didn't have to play what were arguably, you know, the better teams in the conference. They drew the worst team in the playoffs in Tennessee with Tennessee, beat Tennessee at home handily. Sorry, guys. Everybody in the playoffs would have beaten Tennessee handily. And then got away with the win against Jacksonville by the skin of their teeth. That New England team is not getting better. They're on the downside. I think there's part of Belichick that looks and says, I can see the end of the road from here, and I don't want to be the guy that just hangs on. That's that's what I'm seeing. And Trent, you made an observation earlier. This is as happy as I've seen Bill Belichick in the aftermath of that ball game on Sunday. What we saw from him was an energy and a an ability to enjoy it that we hadn't seen before. Is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, that's what I noticed. I, I Looking, the camera goes to the coach, and yes, he smiles when he wins, but he had his arms up. He was jumping up and down. He was smiling. He was hugging his assistant coaches. It looks like, I mean, this is very Peyton Manning-esque. And the guy when that Peyton I would— Peyton Manning knew he was gone— he reacted the same way. The guy that I would parallel it to was Nick Saban. When Nick Saban got past Georgia in the national championship game, we saw emotion come out of him that we hadn't seen before. Yeah. With Saban, Saban still has one last dragon to slay. He's tied now with Bear Bryant for the most national championships in college football history. I think Saban has got to be on some level driven to get that record and put himself atop the mountain. With Belichick, he's out of things to prove to anybody. He's almost made it unreachable. He has. No other coach or quarterback can accomplish what he – no other coach. Who cares about the quarterback? No other coach can accomplish what he has. And we don't, they don't know have the what stay in free power. agency is going to look like moving forward. We don't know how rosters are going to be constructed. And there may be a time 20 or 30 years from now where a team goes on a tear that rivals this. But given the context of the rules of which everybody's playing under, nobody's done it better. When – Bilicek left that meeting with Robert Kraft and was basically told to get rid of Jimmy. I think that was the time that he knew his days were over. I think he accepted it. He got rid of him for a second round. If he has a beef with Robert Kraft, go out on top. You're going to lose all your coaches. New England's going to be in shambles. I think Bilicek knows that with Brady – he couldn't heal his Achilles tendon. He had a shoulder injury all the time. With Brady, it's going to happen. We'll and they don't out. have a backup plan. He's got to rebuild all of his coaches. Right now, he's got it where his franchise is on autopilot. He doesn't have to work okay. with Patricia take, or with Daniels. Take this scenario for a second. Belichick leaves the Patriots, go somewhere else and coaches. I don't right? think he'll go anywhere. I don't think else. he's going to coach. Why do would he do that? 
You think he'll like just hang it up? He, I think he'll end yeah. up okay, in the well, front office. You know what he might do if he's really mad at Robert Kraft? He'll end up in the front office with the New York Jets. Well, that's my point. Is Maybe that he goes to Cleveland. Regardless of where he goes, if Brady stays and they bring in kind of a yes man like Tyron Lue type, and they win another one, that would be disastrous for Belichick. No, no, it won't because not at all. I mean, is it, is it was it disastrous for Jimmy Johnson that Barry Switzer took his team to a Super Bowl and won that? No, everybody looks at it and they're like, "Well, congratulations, Jimmy, you took." Or congratulations, Jerry, you took Jimmy Johnson's team and won a Super Bowl, and nobody even remembers that it was Barry Switzer that won one run. You look at George Seifert. Came behind Bill Walsh in San Francisco. George Seifert's not in the Hall of Fame, not on anybody's short list of the great coaches of all time. Although at one point, and may still, I'd have to look it up, George Seifert had the highest winning percentage in the history of NFL football. So whoever comes in behind Belichick, it'll be attributed to the system. I don't think Belichick has the will to go do it someplace else, and I think he's probably astute enough to recognize that you have to have a magic combination of things in place to win a Super Bowl. Belichick was a disaster with Cleveland. And when you look in retrospect, assembled one of the greatest coaching staffs of all time in Cleveland and never sniffed a Super Bowl there. So I don't think that Belichick has aspirations that he can go out to San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo and do it. But I wouldn't be surprised if leaving that meeting where he was told in no uncertain terms, Garoppolo is gone, if he didn't look at it and have some really, really nasty thoughts about Robert Kraft, something akin to, after all I've done for you, Mm -hmm. you're going to jump on the desk over this? I'm the one that went and found this kid in the first place. I'm the one only one in the room who seems to be aware that we've got – a 40-year-old quarterback out here who is subject to go down with an injury at any given time because the difference between a 40-year-old athlete and a 30-year-old athlete isn't their ability level. It's their recovery time. Yep. So I would not be surprised. I'm going to stand by my statement. I would not be surprised. In fact, I do predict that Super Bowl Sunday – 2018 will be the last time that we see Bill Belichick coach an NFL football team. I agree. And, and Brandon I think, disagrees, and that's I mean, okay. I don't have I'm not strongly disagreeing. I'm just baffled as why you would try to separate two, such a good thing. I mean, well, it, I think what, that telltale sign also is what Robert uh, Robert Kraft said yesterday is I will try to keep these guys together as long as possible. Here's You're the other, here's the other piece that, I, that I'll throw out here, Brandon. It may sway you and it may not. But if I'm Bill Belichick, I know my legacy is tied to Tom Brady. It'll always be Bill and Tom, Bill and Tom, Bill and Tom. And it's the chicken and the egg argument. Which came first? Which was the more important piece? Was it Brady or was it just this magic formula? If Brady's still around and Belichick leaves he could separate himself. and New England doesn't win it, doesn't that bump him up a notch or two? Yeah. Well, I mean, think about how lucky Kraft got. Like Tom, oh, without a doubt. Tom Brady, his thumb peeled all the way back to the bottom other half of his wrist, basically dislocated to the point where it ripped a, a cut in the meat of his hand. 
if that had been any worse, they would have been without a quarterback. And how would have Kraft looked then? And what would Bilicek be saying? You know, he'd be like going, who do we get off of waivers? Maybe. Maybe I'll suit up and throw it. But he got so unbelievably lucky that Tom Brady was able to recover enough or maybe it wasn't as bad. I made a comment that, oh, here we go with the bloody sock, you know the bloody glove that they like to strut out there in Boston. And then when the details come out and it was his thumb got stretched so far back and tore the meat, that's like, oh, God. Yeah, it was real. It was real. I mean, all right, man, I I just can't see them breaking up, but maybe we'll find out something else. I'm sure that you won't hear anything about it until after the Super Bowl. You're not going to hear anything about it until it happens. That's how New England has kind of rolled. And I think it will be sudden. I think it will be abrupt. I think it will be a very – Boring press conference where Belichick gives a lot of one-word answers. But I think that it's going to happen. And the reason I think it's going to happen is because he can't coach forever. And if he's not going to quit now, when would he ever? There's a lot of energy has to go into making this thing go another year or two with a whole new staff. Come on back for the final segment. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me, you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I gotta say about that. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, thanks for hanging out with us this long. This is Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, and Professor Trent Nichols from the Cheap Seats right here in Central North Carolina. And we are going to put a bow on this. Belichick, Trent, and I are in agreement. We think he's done. Brandon says he wants this thing to go on forever. I don't. Time will tell. I I think the uh, loser in this could be the Indianapolis Colts because Josh McDaniels may do a 180 and stay with New England. If now, how, how ironic would that be that – Robert Kraft will well, throw a lot of money I, at I, I got you. And how ironic would it be that Belichick, who wound up with the Patriots after reneging <laughs> oh, on the contract yeah. with the Jets, you know that was actually done on a cocktail napkin where he basically put his resignation paper on a napkin – and turned it over to the Jets after having accepted that job to say, no, 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 I'm going to go out here to New England. And wouldn't it be interesting if Josh McDaniel were allowed to bounce and go back? I don't know that it's going to happen. I don't know about the structure of the contract and and all the rest of that. I don't know that in this day and age where there are often – not often, but occasionally picks involved, that might cost New England some compensation. I don't know if he's actually know. been hired, though, by the Colts, so I don't know if there's any that, of that. That's worth looking into. Yeah, that's I think that's into. just assumed that he's going to take that job. Mm. So, Very interesting. You know who has been hired is Matt Patricia. He's going to be the next head coach of the Detroit Lions. And, uh, you know, for the first half of that ball game when Jacksonville was running the ball down <laughs> New England's throats, I think maybe some folks in Detroit were like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> what, what What are we doing here? Patriots. There's never been a luckier franchise ever than the Patriots. 
They well, just are so fortunate. I mean, re- luck is the residue of design. You make your own luck. I get it. But daggone, man. That penalty at the very end of the half, the, the delay of game after a timeout, that could be like a 10-point swing right there. Yeah, we. I mean, you missed the first half hour of the show. We talked about that. That that two-point – or that, that uh, delay of game call at the end of the first half for Jacksonville was enormous. And I'm not convinced had they gone in there and scored that they, it wouldn't have been a completely different game. But, you know, it is what it is. And it's funny that we talk about New England and we're like, that's the luckiest franchise out there. Yeah, they've certainly had some good fortune. But when you look at it, you're still talking about the same team that had the David Tyree catch trap against the helmet <laughs> and Eli Manning, you know, throwing unbelievable passes down the stretch. The second time they played him, Brady missing a pass that he never misses his entire career. Yeah, I mean, they do their thing. You have to give it up when it comes to preparation, personnel, and the ability to cheat without getting caught or to cheat until they make a rule against your way of exactly. cheating is an entire different thing. It's not cheating unless there's a rule against it. Well, and, and I'm going to tell you something, that, that it's funny how we perceive things because New England, there are haters out there who are like, well, they cheat. They, you know, they had the Spygate thing. They had this. They had that. They Whatever. Well, th- listen. Indianapolis was always the second fiddle to New England in the first half of this run that New England made. It is documented that Indianapolis at home pumped crowd music through the speakers. That's unfair. That's (laughs) cheating, and they got caught, and the league didn't do anything about it. It also, this was the greatest, and I'd have to go back and see who said it, but Indianapolis brought in a rookie lineman and when he was about to start his first game they gave him an earpiece to put in his ear (laughs) there was an amplifier so that he could hear the audibles from Peyton Manning that is cheating Uh, everybody does what they can do to get away and get away with in sports at every level that's just how it is and I don't hate New England for you know deflating the footballs a little bit for you know Taping signals that happened right here in Lee County two years ago in the high school playoffs. Exactly the same thing, where the opposing coaching staff posted a kid in the first round of the playoffs and taped the sideline. They matched it up with the film and they came into the next game, and Southern couldn't figure out what was going on. <laughs> and then they realized, oh, there's a kid over there that's <laughs> that's signaling what we're signaling down to the coaching staff. So they broke out and did a little, you know, this, that, the other, and and the second half was a completely different game. It happens in sports all the time. How many of y'all, you guys played baseball, right? Stealing signs is an art form. That's what you do. It's that's part of the game. That's why Apple Watches are banned now. Apple Watches banned. That, and that's funny, too. I mean, well, they're banned, but you see them all the time. Come on, you're either banned or you're not, man. But that's Whatever. why I don't have a big deal with the steroid crisis in baseball, because you know what? It the pitchers wasn't were illegal, too. But it wasn't illegal. There was no rule against steroids until they decided to make a rule well, against go steroids. Go back and ask guys like Pete Rose that played in the 60s and 70s. Everybody was on amphetamines. Yeah. You didn't play without being on amphetamines. The right field line in Shea Stadium was cocaine for Daryl Strawberry. That's funny. That's really, really funny, and it took me a second to register. So I'm going to ask you this, Trent, because you're a baseball guy and you wear glasses. Uh Uh-oh. How long is it going to be 
before baseball players start having elective LASIK surgery. As a batter, your eyes are everything. We have the means now, non-invasively, and the technology's been pretty well perfected to improve your eyesight. How long before these guys, and they probably are now on the down low. Isn't that the same as Tommy John, though? Well, Tommy John is the other thing. You're you're looking at kids now who's at 12 and 13 years old, their parents are going to have them, are taking them to have elective Tommy John surgery because at this point, our medical technology and the research has shown you replace those tendons in the elbows, you're less likely to have issues down the road. It's stronger than it was before. We've seen it for years in Major League Baseball that pitchers two years after they've had Tommy John surgery have three or four more mile-per-hour velocity with their fastball. The other thing with kids in high school, now we're holding these kids back and starting school a year late so that those kids are more advanced and more developed and have a better chance to succeed and excel against competition once they reach high school age. Dude, so, so all those families cheap. that are doing, you know, pulling stunts like that, that are looking across and they're like, steroids, cheap. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> you I like that. I'd rather cheating, get, you're not trying. I'd rather get Google glasses that helps me see the pitches better because it's like electronic. Well, I, I wonder, slow down I wonder at what point where that doesn't become a thing. Because, you know, we've looked at, you know, sci-fi for a long time and you have the little lens and whatever and it, you know, focuses on the thing. One of the things in baseball is picking up the spins, picking up the rotation on the baseball. How long before the technology is available where, the you know, the, the lens in your eye detects what the motion on that ball is you know and what? tells you slider, knuckleball, fastball. Whatever. I'll say this. I'm all about technology, but aren't you aren't you happy that we will have all kicked it before all that really is uh, in place? You're, you're looking way too far down the road. We will see it in our lifetime. And there will be a movement, especially in the combat-type sports, football and things like that. There will come a time where we have to societally make a determination as to what's okay and what's not. You know, whether it's, you know, I don't know, a cyborg arm. I don't know what the deal is. But it's coming where people are, are enhanced athletes. Think about Blade Runner. The guy, what was the guy's name? The the cat that murdered his wife down, or murdered his girlfriend down in South Africa. What was his name? Oh. The South African guy with the fake legs. Yeah. You oh, know what I'm talking yeah. about, right? Yeah. yeah. All right. So this guy was allowed to compete in the Olympics. It's like Pius or something. Something with a P. Uh, Petrus. Petrus. Petrus or something. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. So he's a murderer, and he should have been locked away forever. Shame on South Africa for letting him off. And I think he – I don't even know. Anyway, there's a special place in hell for him. But when the Olympic Committee looked at it, they're like, yeah, he can compete internationally. He's good. It's a good feel-good story. Let me tell you something. Had that cat started winning races across the board, (laughs) his ass wouldn't have been allowed to compete. That's the next threshold, though, is implants – and prosthetics and things like that. Well, speaking about the Olympics, I feel like I need to move to a smaller country so I can participate. Dude. Can I tell you how many times I've in thought that sport. in my life? I, and if I could do it, I'd, I'd move to like Luxembourg. Well, there's like eight thousand people. I could be. You think about it, man. You could have been an you could have been an international competitor in like eight different sports. Well, look at this guy. I think he's from Tonga. I believe it's pronounced. He was in the Summer Olympics for something completely different. 
he gets to cross-country ski because it came up with a rule that you could log hours to qualify on roller skates. Homeboy. <laughs> homeboy is now in the Winter Olympics as well. So he's been in the in Rio, him. and now he's in these Olympics down in um, – uh, South, South Korea. Korea. That, but, sir, is an awesome story. And it's always a good story. Like, the one guy who's basically never swum before, like, everybody's cheering on him, and he's, like, a gazillion laps behind. Eddie the Eagle. They made a movie about this dude, man, the ski jumper from Britain. You know, they're out there. And 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 it's easy to say, well, no, if you have these enhancements, you're not going to be able to compete. Really? Well, what happens when a, when a war veteran comes back and has the prosthetic that was necessary, and it enhances their performance. And it's not just, you know, to help them live. You're going to say no? You're going to be the guy that stands up and pounds the drum? I don't know, man. I always thought blood doping was interesting. Like, it's your own blood. I'm with you. Like, you just put it back in your body. I, I don't understand. And the blood doping, <laughs> they can't even detect the blood doping. They can just detect things that make them think, well, yeah, you probably did do blood doping. <laughs> but if your body just has the, you know, an innate ability to generate more oxygen and and have better blood, you're going to get accused of doping because it is your blood. All they do is take it out of your body and pump it back in. Yeah. It's kind of bananas. Yeah. So in the last couple of minutes. So, I mean, what if you get an IV, you know? Like you're in the Olympics, you're tired, you get an IV, you're back out there, you win gold. You cheated, right? Look, as far as I'm concerned, there ought to be a league where everything is is legal. An MMA-type situation. You want to dope? You want to, you know, you want to do steroids? You want to do get a prosthetic hook? Have at it. Thanks for hanging out. From the Cheap Seats, I'm Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols. We will see you guys next week. You're the greatest. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. You're listening to Chris Lambert and Brandon Atkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.